He is alive, amen? amen? You know, out there it might be April Fool's Day, but in here it's Resurrection Day, amen? amen. You know, it's, it's kind of funny that those two appear on the same day this year, because I just imagine all these parents out there all across the country today asking their kids to look for eggs that they never actually hid. <laughs> but here we are celebrating that's worth so much more, amen? When we were celebrating, that, we're celebrating that. Welcome to HBC. No, but... Uh, um, so I think you can hear me now. So from, from my right to your left, there's a little black book. It's called our Friendship Register. And that's our way of letting, uh, letting us know that you were here. So especially if you're a visitor with us today, we want to know that you were here. We, we'd like to send you a little letter as, as well. And by the way, folks, let's welcome our visitors today. It's so glad to have you. We, we don't take that very, very lightly. We're just so glad to have you here. In fact, I'd like to remind you that if you're visiting with us today, Directly after the service at the Welcome Center, my wife and I will be out there. We have a, a gift from the church to give to you. Just our way of saying thank you for, for coming. We're just glad that, uh, that you could make it. Also, if you have any prayer requests, make sure you put those on there as well. As a staff, each, each week we get together and we pray through the requests that you, that you have there for us. And, and it's a precious time and it's a way to connect with you as well. And so we're just thankful uh, for that. At this time, our first through sixth graders can be dismissed, and you can work your way out there and then head down towards the left. If you're visiting with us, if you have uh, children that would like to go, feel free to follow them as well. Get to meet the teachers, and you can come back in at any point after that. Uh, not a problem there. Uh, we have a couple of quick announcements before uh, we continue on. One is that the church directory is now available. I, yeah. The pictorial directory is now available. It's, it's a lot of work to put that together. It is available. Uh, a couple things about that. Number one, the online uh, version is available, and there are directions on how to access it from the Welcome Center. So that you can go there, get there, that as well, as well as the information on how to get it on all of your apps, whether they're, um, they're let's see, there's Apple, there's Amazon, there's Google, etc. So there are directions for all of that there. It does require that you have given us as a church your email address. That's going to be your login information. So if you don't have that, just call the office. It took about 30 seconds uh, to, uh, to resolve that issue if you just call in. So uh, looking forward to that. There's also printed copies at the Welcome Center as well. We're trying to limit those to one per family. Um, the, the disadvantage of those is that they, they don't stay up, up to date every time someone moves or whatever. It's paper copies of paper copies. But we do have those... Um, uh, available, one per family as well. And also, if you have any future updates, whether you just think you're better looking than the last picture that you sent in, whatever it might be, um, just feel free to send those uh, updates to the church office, and we can update those at any time. Uh, or if you add members to the family, whatever it may be. And uh, so we'll be glad to do that as well. And then just a reminder that there are no PM services um, tonight. Uh, so it's time for you to just spend some time with your family or invite one of your pastors out to eat or whatever you want to do. <laughs> just a little joke there, but, uh, uh, but spend, some, spend some time uh, enjoying, enjoying the cel the, and celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. At this time, I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward for our morning tithes and offerings. I do want to remind you, if you're visiting with us today, your presence is your gift to us. Do not feel like you have to, to contribute to that. This is for our normal, uh, our regular church attenders and members. Uh, but we're just glad that you're here today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are floored when we think about what today represents. Or on Friday, it was Friday, and we celebrated. It seems odd to think of celebrating someone's death, but we celebrated that death because of what it meant for us. It was an act of love. 
And today, we celebrate the resurrection. Lord, we thank you so much for that message. I pray that everything we say and do at this point would be honoring to you and honoring to that message. I pray too, Lord, that you would take the funds that, uh, that we, we give and take that same message and get it out there to people who need to hear it. And I pray this in your son's precious name. Amen.
celebrating something so important. And, and so I, I want to ans answer the question today, why is it so important to believe in the resurrection? What is, what is so important about Resurrection Sunday? And in, in order to answer that, we have to first ask the question, why are we celebrating at all? And I don't want to assume that we all have an answer to that. And so if you turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the last chapter of 1 Corinthians, we'll camp, uh, we'll camp there for just a few moments. I want to look at uh, what, what the Apostle Paul said about the importance of the resurrection. Verse 1, we read this. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel, which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to to the scriptures. So when we, we ask the question, what are we celebrating today? The, the answer really could be put into one word. We call that the gospel, as he calls it uh, in, in uh, verse 1. He, he says, this is the gospel. The gospel just means the good news. And what is that gospel? And that gospel is a couple of things. Number one is that Christ died for our sins. When, when Christ died on the cross, it's, it's, it's hard to fathom celebrating the death on the cross, but we celebrate that because Christ died in our place. It was my sins that were, that were on the cross when Jesus Christ died there. 
And you know, this is something that we've been looking forward to as, as, a, as a human race from the beginning. Actually, from the time of Adam and Eve and their sin, God sacrificed an animal to cover the results of their sinfulness. That was a picture of what was going to happen, what was going to take place. We don't get much further along in Scripture when we come to Cain and Abel. And, and remember, Cain offered the, the fruits and vegetables. Abel offers a sacrifice of blood. And God says, that's the type of sacrifice I need. Why? Because that represented the blood of Jesus Christ someday to come. You continue on through the Old Testament. The Israelites, when they were slaves in Egypt, you might remember to, to avoid the last plague, they were told to take the blood of a spotless lamb and put, and put it on their doorposts so that when the angel of the Lord came across, he would pass over their, their homes and they would not uh, have to suffer through the, the, the last or final plague. And that represents Jesus Christ. And we see it as the, the Israelites were in the wilderness and, and they had a sacrificial system that they would do in the tabernacle. And later when they entered the promised land, then they, they built the temple and they continued to do the sacrifices there. All of that was pointed to one event and that's that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. He died in your place. Now all of this was temporary. They had to do it over and over. They had to repeat it over and over again because it pointed to the sacrifice that was once and for all. You don't have to turn there. You can stay in 1 Corinthians 15, but I want to read uh, from, from Hebrews um, chapter 10, verses 8 through 10. We read this, previously saying, Sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offerings for sin, you, talking about God, did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. So they had to offer them, but they didn't complete what they were supposed to do. Verse 9, we continue to read. Um, then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the, uh, the first, that he may establish the second. He takes away all of those other sacrifices so that he can establish the second. What is that? By that, we will have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. Not once a year, once for it put an end to all of that sacrifice. It put an end to all of that death because of what Jesus Christ did for us. That's the first thing. We, that's what the gospel is about, that Jesus died for us. It's not just about that, though. It's about the fact that he rose again for us. We read that uh, in verse 4, that he rose again the third day. Did you realize that since the time of Adam and Eve's sin back in the garden, all humans have been dying? In fact, you get into Genesis chapter 5, you read a genealogy, and it talks about this man, and he had this many children, he lived this many years, and then he died. And then, you see, then their, one of their children had so many children, they lived so many years, and then he died. And then after every one of those, you read, and then he died, and then he died, and then he died. They say that the only two things that are sure in this life are death and taxes. I don't know about taxes, but I know that death is the only thing that's sure in life, right? You can't escape that. But Jesus did. There's no way we can, you can do whatever you want to do to try and extend your life. You can eat healthy, you can exercise, you can have all of the things, you can avoid all the ingredients that, are, that, uh, that just have a long string of, of, of syllables that we don't understand. You can avoid all of those things. And you still won't live forever. Isn't that true? But Jesus conquered death for us. Not only did he die, but he rose from the, gr the grave. And when he did so, what does it say? Not, he didn't just do so in his own way. He, he did so. Look at what it says. For what I delivered to you first of all that I also received, that Christ died for our sins. But he didn't just do it. How did he do it? According to the scriptures. 
says in the very same sentence, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. So here, once again, we see that part of the gospel is that Jesus didn't, didn't just die for our sins and didn't just rise from the grave, but he did so as a fulfillment of all of the, of the Old Testament scriptures that pointed to him. We have to believe it the way the scriptures said it happened. In fact, in the time of 1 Corinthians 15, when Paul was writing this, there was already a movement of people saying, it's hard to believe in a resurrection. So why don't we just say that the teachings of Christ resurrected? And Paul is combating that and saying, no, 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 you have to believe that it happened the way the scriptures said it would happen. You have to believe in that. And so, so that is what we're celebrating today. That's why we're here. Now the question is, why is it so important to believe in the resurrection? What's all the fuss about Easter? and Why is it so important? And so that's the question we're going to ask today is why is it so important to believe in the resurrection? And I'm going to give you three answers. Number one, because without the resurrection, our faith would be futile. Our faith would be completely empty, right? Listen to what, it, what Paul wrote a little further on in the same chapter, verse 14. He wrote this. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Goes on to say, verse 18, Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we of all men are the most pitiable. What's he saying here? He's, he's saying that uh, in, in, this, in this, if we understand that Christ did not, let me go back one, one slide here. Um, if, if we look at Christ and we say that he did not raise from the dead, then we're, we're making some grave errors in our understanding. Number one is that if we can't trust a part of the Bible, we can't trust any of the Bible. And he's saying, we've already testified that Christ would rise. We've been talking about this since Adam and Eve. We've been, we've been pointing to this day. And if you say, well, he didn't really rise from the grave, then, then your faith is fueled. You can't believe in anything this book says. This book talks about having eternal life. You can't trust that. Why? Because someone who lies is a liar. And if Christ didn't raise from the dead, then all of the apostles were liars. And we're trusting in a, in a false book. If you don't believe in the resurrection, your faith is meaningless. He goes on to say, like it says in verse 17, you're still in your sins. If Jesus didn't raise from the grave, then someone still needs to pay for your sins. And who's it going to be? You and me. We're still in our sins. If Christ didn't, didn't rise from the grave. Aren't you glad that he did? The second reason why is it so important to believe in the resurrection it's because our hope would be unfounded. Our hope would be unfounded. Look at verse 18 as Paul continues. It says, Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. This is uh, Greek phraseology, uh, fallen asleep. They're not talking about just going to sleep like some of you do in, in church. I, you forget, I can see you from here, right? So I'm not just talking about falling asleep. This verse is talking about those who have died. He says, Those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. Poof, they've ceased to exist. They're nowhere now. If the resurrection is not true. It goes on to say in verse 19. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we of all men are the most pitiable. 
But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, um, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. See, if Jesus could not conquer death himself, then uh, how could we ever believe that he could conquer death for us? If our hope is only in this life, then we as Christians are the most pitiable people on the planet. I mean, why not just go out and have fun? Why do we live the way we do? Why live selflessly? Why do we try to do all those things? Why imitate Christ if it means absolutely nothing? Without the resurrection, those who have died, they're dust. Nothing more. No matter what you did, you can accomplish a lot in your lifetime. But when you die, it's nothing. I think I've said it before that Beethoven spent an entire life composing. He's been decomposing ever since. Oh, that was a bad joke, I know. But there's a truth behind it. No matter what you do, death is the only hope. It is the future for every single one of us if the resurrection never happened. Got great news, though. It did. Amen? The third thing, because without the resurrection, why is it so important? Because without the resurrection, all ethics are reduced to selfish indulgence. Look at the way Paul puts it in verse 32. It says, If then, in the manner of men, I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantage is it to me? He's talking about some of the persecution that he suffered as a, as a, as a believer. He suffered persecution. If the dead do not rise, then what? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. And that's what ethics becomes. It, you know what? We're going to die eventually. There's no meaning left. So what do we do? We eat, we drink, we enjoy the present. And you know what? I think, if, I, if we're honest, I think this is what we're seeing happen in our culture today. We've raised an entire generation to say that the, the resurrection never happened. And we're taught that we're just happy accidents in this universe, right? Of, of just, we're just nothing more than chemical and biochemical actions and reactions. That's all we are. And that this life is the only life we have left. Well, what happens? We start living for our pleasure. And we start living for ourselves. And, and the only ethic of it all is to have more, more pleasure than pain. You know, I, we see this... I, we see that it's, it's taught that, that life itself does not have intrinsic value. We see that at both ends of the spectrum, from, from prior to birth to, to the end of, of your life. And people say, well, if, you're not, if it's not a pleasurable life, well, then we may as well just snuff it out. If it's going to cause more pain, than we snuff it out. And life loses its intrinsic value. And I think we're seeing the effects of that in the culture around. And by the way, you can't teach this to an entire generation and then scratch your head when they start shooting each other in the schools. I know it's a heavy subject, but it's reality. This is what happens when you don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The answer is going to be in Jesus. You know, when you, you look at it, you see these three, these three effects of what it would be like if we did not believe in the resurrection you know, when, when I ask someone, I, and I ask them the, the simple question, do you think you'll go to heaven when you die? You know what answer I usually get? Hmm, I think so. Have you ever heard, anyone else ever ask someone that question and get that same response? I'll tell you, I've seen it a million times, so 
Uh, I, it's the same. I can even see the, the, the picture on their face. It's kind of, hmm, I think so. That, that pensive look on their face, like they're thinking about something they've never thought about before. You know what I'm talking about? And like, I, I think so. And if I follow up with something like, well, well why, do you think, why do you think you'll be able to go to heaven? And the answer is almost always the same. And what is it? It's, I think I'm a pretty good person. If you compare me to other people, I mean, uh, I, I think so. Bottom line is this, folks. Bottom line is this, because I think so isn't a good enough answer when eternity is on the line. I mean, imagine that. I, I mean, your, your eternity is on the line, and you're going you're gonna to leave it up to a, I think so. I, I, I think I've been kind of good enough, right? I don't know where the scale is, but, but I, I think, I think I'm, I'm pretty good. In fact, ladies, let's be honest. Um, if you were to ask your husbands, um, do you have the tickets for tonight's event? And they said, eh, I think so. What would you say? No, go check. Go make sure. Go find it. I want to see those tickets in your hand, right? And then the, you should say, follow up with something like, and give them to me so I can make sure they don't get lost between here and the car, right? And that's probably a good idea. At least it is in our case, right? And, and so that's, that's the, the thing. And what we find is that, is that, uh, that here it comes to our eternal destiny, and we chalk it up to, I think I'm good enough. I, ho- I hope so. And that's not enough. I need, uh, I need some, Ill, um, some, some people, to, some volunteers here. I need seven volunteers that would be willing to come up here for, to help me with an illustration. So, all right, yeah, come on up. Yep, you got one there. So I need, just, just start coming up until we get seven. All right, I'll turn the eighth person away. I don't, so, thank you, Ray. All right, thank you. Come on up. I need, that's two, right? That means I need five more, right? Simple math. All right, thank you. Thank you, Ron. Come, come right on up here. And uh, all right, so we're one, two, three, four, five, six. And uh, one more. One more person? All right, right there. All right, all right. Tiffany, come on. And, uh, and, uh, or Eric, I guess. He's, he's down here, so, so we'll, we'll take that. Yeah, that'd be great. And we can just set that right there for now. All right. What I want to do is, is make a little scale here for a moment. And, uh, and I know Eric well enough to know that I am not typecasting, but let's put on this far end of the scale, this is going to be Jesus Christ, right? <laughs> I can say that because we're good friends, right? All right, now I was trying to think of someone to put on the opposite end of the scale, and, uh, and I, want to, I don't want to get too heavy here, uh, and, uh, but someone would be completely self-absorbed uh, and, and, and prideful and so on. And so I decided to come up with someone that is, um, is a little bit uh, less uh, real. Uh, and this is uh, Darth Vader, all right? So would you come over here and, just, uh, come and stand like right over here? There you go. All right, so this is the scale. You got the scale down, right? So on this end, we have... It's totally selfless, and on this end, we have someone that's totally selfish, right? So I want to think through the scale, and what I need for you to do now is help, just by using your fingers, you can point which way I should go with a couple different people. Make sense? All right. So on where they are in the scale. So let's start with, and then I'll give this one to Ron here in a second. Let's start with uh, this guy. This is Tom Cruise. All right? So where should I go? Okay, I'm seeing, I'm, I'm seeing more fingers this way. Is this good? Just kind of put your fingers down when I'm there. All right? So, still? Wow! Man, a, somebody knows about his Scientology background, I think. All right, so, so Ryan, can you come here and, uh, and take Tom Cruise? Wow, that's pretty, that's pretty bad. All right, let's take... Now, remember, we're not basing this on their theology, okay? Just on their works, on their good works. Let's take this one here. This is Mother Teresa. All right. Oh, I see a lot of fingers going this way. Okay, I'm just going to try and 
Judge somewhere. Wow, even more? Okay, wow, lots of people. Okay. So, all right, so, okay, see, right around in here. All right, Doug, can you be Mother Teresa? All right, let's do one more. This is Denzel Washington. All right, Denzel Washington, actor. Uh, so where, where, would you, where would you say? I see a few going this way. Okay, more? Is this about right? A lot of people say, I don't watch, I don't watch movies, right? Okay, that's all right. You don't have to vote. All right, Michelle, would you be Denzel right here? All right, now let's go out of, the, out of that range here, and let's go to uh, Geraldo Rivera. I see. Oh, well, that, well, that's interesting. I'm getting, I'm getting these. All right. Let's just say somewhere in the middle, right? Can you be Geraldo Rivera? Okay. And then, uh, with that answer in mind, I am definitely not going to use this one. Um, I'm going to skip that one. I don't want to cause any problems today. So I'm going to replace that one with with someone right from our own congregation. Um, and so this, this is Alan Troop. All right. Where, where do we put Alan Troop? All right. So right, she's the only one left? All right. Which way should I go? I see. I, I, well, I was definitely catching a lot of these. But I'm already going to make an enemy by using this picture. So I'm going to put him over here. All right. So all right, if you take that one, that's Alan Troop. Somebody likes Alan Troop, right? So I'm just, okay. Very good, very good. <laughs> the real question, I think, for us today, isn't where we would put our opinions on any of these people. The real question would be, where do we put this? Right here. Right? Where do we put this right here? At what point... Do we draw this line and say, okay, everyone on this side is going to hell and everyone on this side is going to heaven? Where do you put this, this line? You, you, right. you want to go that way? That's right. Okay, you want, you want to switch, switch papers with somebody? All right. No problem, no problem. So you look, you, you look at this, and, and it's a good, a good question. You know, there's a verse in, in Romans that answers that for us. There's two, two texts I want to take you to real quickly. Romans 3, verse 23 says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Did you notice that no one put anybody right here? Nobody put anybody right there. No. no. So... Nobody puts anyone right. Why? Because every single one of us, that, God has this standard of glory, and he says every single one of us have fallen short of that. What's the payment for that sin? Romans 6.23 tells us, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know what that means? That means that this sign goes right here. Every single one of us, I don't care where you are, you can be Mother Teresa in the way you treat other people. According to what the scripture says, because you're a sinner, the wages of sin is death. That's what we have to look forward to. Well, that's, a, that's a morbid thought, isn't it? However, 
That's the bad news. The good news is in the second half of that verse, is it not? The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. See, without the resurrection, we would all be in trouble, every single one of us. No one wants to believe that. In fact, most people, they, say what they base their beliefs on what they want instead of what they believe to be true or what they know is true. That's why at every funeral, you go to any funeral, and no one, I've never once heard a pastor stand up before a congregation of people and say, now this guy is in hell, and he deserves it. It's always, he's in a better place. Right? I mean, he could, it could be the funeral for, uh, for one of the leaders of the Hell's Angels, right? Or he's in a better place. Why? Because belief is based on what we want, but reality is based on truth. And the truth is that this is where the line is. I'm not telling you. Jesus is telling you. It's in, it's in, it's in, it's in the Word. It's in God's Word. And so we, we look at this and, and we recognize that, that we're in trouble. You know, without the resurrection, that's exactly where we'd be. Somewhere on this spectrum. All in trouble. Our faith would be futile. But because the resurrection is true, our faith is not futile anymore. Our faith is firm. Because Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for all of these sins, for all of these people, I don't care how bad they are, every single one of them could accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and all of that would be placed on Jesus Christ. He died on the cross, not just for the sins that we've done, but for all the sins that we ever will do, and every sin he was willing to pay for on that cross. And only he could do it because he's the only one that lived a sinless life. Our hope is no longer unfounded. Our hope is, is actually based on, on, on the certainty of the, of the resurrection. We have a certainty of it. We, we know that it's true. Look what Paul wrote in, in, towards the end of the chapter in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible, talking about his body, must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. And then he ends with a poem. He says, O oh death, where is your sting? O oh Hades, where is your victory? Death has had victory from generation to generation, from Adam to us. And now, because of what Jesus Christ did, he says, there's no sting to that anymore. There's no sting to that. Why? Because there's victory over death. It all boils down to what, what, uh, what Paul said in Romans 6.23, that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. My goal today is that no one would walk out of here, and if someone were to ask you that question, do you know if you would, would go to heaven? I don't want to hear anyone say, I think so. I hope so. I want you to know so. I want you to walk out of here with, with the certainty that if something were to happen to you, just like I asked the two that got baptized today, if something were to happen to you today, that you know for sure, you could say, I'm going to heaven. Without a shadow of a doubt. Not because I'm good. Not because I'm working my way up this scale, but because Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And he rose from the grave for me. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. I want you to get intimate here with, 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 with God. Take everyone else around and, and, and just 
forget everyone else around you and put, put yourself alone with God for just a moment. And I want, you to ask, I want to ask you this question. Have you accepted Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior? If I were to ask you personally, do you know for sure you would spend eternity in heaven? Would you just raise your hand and say, Pastor Dave, I've, I've made that decision. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that's where I'm going. Okay, thanks. You can put your hands down. There may be some of you who couldn't raise your hand uh, in, in that last question. I w- want to just ask you if there's anyone here who would say, you know what, Pastor Dave, I don't know for sure. I can't guarantee beyond a shadow of a doubt that if I were to walk out of here today and die, that I would spend eternity in heaven. If that's you, then I'm going to share one more passage with you. In Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, it says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Two simple things found in that verse. Number one, confess that you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, that he rose from the, from the, the grave, conquering death for you. You believe that, you're halfway there. The second part, as it says there, it says, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead you will be saved. You accept Jesus Christ to be your Lord? That means as the master, where you say, all right, Lord, I'm done being the boss of my own life. I need you. And you accept Jesus Christ to be your Savior. What that means is you believe that he died on the cross to pay for your sins. And he rose from the grave to purchase a place for you in heaven. I'm going to pray. And if you were unable to raise your hand just, that, just a moment ago, I'm going to ask that you pray with me. And there's no secret formula. There's no magic words. There's nothing like that. So pray it from your heart. And basically, I'm going to pray back those two verses to the Lord. Pray with me if that's you. You can do it silently right in your mind. God can hear it all. Dear God, I know that I am a sinner. I know that I would be on that scale somewhere short of Christ. And I know that because of that, I do not deserve eternal life. But God, you offered to it to me as a free gift. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross. I believe that he rose from the dead for me. And I accept him to be the Lord of my life. I thank you for this promise that in the end I will be saved. I thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to keep your heads bowed for just a second. Just a second. If you prayed that prayer today, would you raise your hand? I'm not going to make you come forward. I'm not going to do anything. If you prayed that, that prayer, I see, I see the hand over here. Any others? Prayed that prayer today? Praise the Lord. I would like to just invite you to come talk to me afterwards. Meet me at the Welcome Center, and we can talk through this. And I can share with you some of the next steps of your relationship with God. Let me close our time together here in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for thank you for your word. I thank you for what you did a little over 2,000 years ago by sending your son to die on a cross that he did not deserve to pay for my sins and the sins of everyone in this room. Lord, we celebrate that. Lord, we go on through life where not even death has the sting that it has for everyone else because we have an eternity to look forward to our relationship with you. Lord, we thank you for that. Thank you and praise you in Christ's name.